Adult language and themes ahead. Listener discretion is advised. Trigger warning, ready yourself, because now we're going there. Taboo Topics are back on the table. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm LeJohn. And I'm Joe. And this is the Going There podcast, where Taboo Topics are back on the table. Today, we're talking about one of the most divisive topics in America right now, abortion. And here with us today, we have Molly Gaby. She's an abortion activist with Abortion AF, an amazing comedian, improviser, performer. Uh, Molly, thanks for being here today. Oh, that's so sweet of you. I always knew I was going to get famous through abortion. Um, (laughs) um, So, yeah, I work with an organization called Abortion Access Front. I've been with them for about six years now. I'm a writer and comedian with them. And what we do is we sort of use comedy to tackle the abortion issue and Uh, We also do a lot of support for independent abortion clinics. Actually, these smaller indie clinics do the majority of abortion procedures, and we do a lot of support around that. We used to, pre-COVID, do a national tour where we would go around to all these indie clinics and raise money and help connect the community with the clinics. You know, also COVID means that I'm not able to do my doula work. It's basically just an an emotional and a physical support person. I think most people know it in in context of childbirth. But, uh, you know, pregnancy has a whole range of pregnancy outcomes, and we are there for all of them, miscarriage, abortion, birth, the whole thing. Um, So I really miss being in the rooms with abortion patients and holding their hand, and uh, hopefully I can get back to that pretty soon and also do life comedy again soon because that's also a big part of my life well can you talk a a little bit about uh abortion access or or abortion af which of course yeah you you purposely use those initials it was started by somebody pretty pretty well connected right yes yes so the founder um is liz winstead and she also happens to be the co-creator of the daily show so she's just an yeah she's incredible she's an all-around badass um she's like fuck it, I'm going to make a difference in the world and I'm going to bring my incredible comedy skills to the abortion issue uh, and see how we can change the world. And um, the the way that you talk about abortion um, matters and it changes the way people think about it and the way people think about the people who get it and provide it. And when you talk about with joy and humor and laughter, only comedy can really take down these people in power who are trying to literally take away our rights to live our lives as we want. Uh, we target anti-abortion extremists, you know, these extremist groups. We do massive amounts of research and we put out into the world in like an easily digestible comedic way. So people are like, oh, wow, this actually is funny and very important. And I'm pissed off and want to do something. Well, we I I think in mainstream uh, media, we've been talking about it for the last couple of decades, how satire news has turned into the the real news or at least the more listened to news like john oliver is a bigger source of information for a lot of people than cnn and a lot of other things because if there is bias he's open about it and wolf blitzer's jokes suck (laughs) (laughs) hey like they always say though if you want the truth go to a comedian if you want a joke 
Go to a politician. Do you have any politicians teaching at the Circle Comedy Theater? <laughs> <laughs> We're reaching out. We're yeah. reaching out. We're hoping, you know, de Blasio will teach a class. <laughs> um, in reading your bio, I loved that you uh, dressed up as a vulva in protest oh at the Trump Tower more than once. And you said you will do it as many times as necessary. Oh, yes. I can't even tell you how much dressing up as a part of the body shocks and angers people. I mean, the amount of power that I have in that bubble, it is just fantastic. <laughs> So we made an. We made, of course we have multiple Volvo costumes, but we made another glittery Who doesn't? version. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you gotta have more than one. I, Otherwise, I wear, people are gonna know if you're wearing the same one. Yeah. There's day. nothing worse than showing up at Trump Tower and you're wearing the same Volvo outfit <laughs> as somebody else. It's truly humiliating. <laughs> yeah, and aren't the men just like proud that they found you? <laughs> Yeah, you're giving them way too much credit. They <laughs> truly had no idea what I was. Um, I always call it a vagina. And just so everyone knows on this podcast, the vagina is like the canal and the vulva is everything you see on the outside. So it's very fun. It's a teaching moment when I'm in this insane costume. LeJohn just started making a weird like conspiracy clip chart out of this entire thing. I'm all about this. He's like, hold on a second. Go back to that yeah, passage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? This is good stuff. Actually, this reminds me of another podcast. <laughs> you know what? A podcast we should te team up with. My dad wrote a porno and uh, oh my God. the three of them are English. They're like the English versions of us. And <laughs> yeah, uh, like I mean, us. not really, but they're amazing. The dad decided to write the book because he found out that Fifty Shades of Grey got so much attention. And he's like, well, shit, I can do that. But the man, I think, just kind of went to the thesaurus and looked up vagina. And so he starts <laughs> wrongly. I mean, very incorrectly using the terms like cervix, like it's a comedy. Mm, <laughs> I think gotcha. the dad thinks he's writing really good porno <laughs> novels, but they're horrible. <laughs> Let, let's start at why did you get involved with this kind of work and why is it so important to you? You've devoted your life to it. Yeah. I, you know what? It just seems like an obvious thing to me to do. It never seemed, abortion to me never seems like a big deal. Um, I, I didn't grow up in like an anti-abortion household or an, or an especially religious one. And, you know, you pay attention and you see what's happening as a kid and you just start researching. And I'm like, wait, why, why are people so against a medical procedure that seems to mean so much to a group of people and these group of people that are the group of people that are getting this medical procedure are telling everybody else that it's so important and please leave us alone and the people that kind of have much less to do with it are just inserting themselves into the conversation it just seems like a very uh obvious fight to to get into well mark twain said and i love <laughs> i love to quote mark twain on this show they're laughing because I edit some of them out, but I quote them almost every episode. The church has opposed every innovation and discovery from the day of Galileo down to our time when the use of anesthetics in childbirth was regarded as a sin because it avoided the biblical curse pronounced against Eve. Mm -hmm. To say that it's really about compassion, I, I used to believe it was. I used to, of course, if you're raised that way, you think, well, yeah, I mean, these people are going out for Saturday night just for kicks, just to kill some babies. Mm. This is that passage in Exodus that a lot of people who are against abortion uh, speak of. 
If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life. How come no one's mad that they're hitting this pregnant lady and they're just upset about the baby? (laughs) What the fuck? The reality is whatever predisposition you have going into the Bible, you will find whatever that is. So if you're against abortion, you will find verses that say that. If you're homophobic, you will find verses that support that. If you're racist, you will find verses that support that. So of course you can find things. Yeah, you just have to play Pink Floyd like after the third roar of the lion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll find exactly. all sorts of shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, you start on John 3.16, you just jam it out from it there. Comes with the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, I got baked and read the Bible this weekend, bro. <laughs> you wouldn't believe yeah. the shit I read. Here, Sorry, Molly, welcome to our shit show. I love it, I love it. I'm so on board for all this. So do you think that there's a difference between the person who says, yeah, I don't support it. I just don't, I just, I don't know. Something about it bothers me. And the Karen who goes out in public and screams at you and throws bricks through the windows. You know, I, I really respect <laughs> the people who can, you know, be against it personally. Uh, but, you know, have the common sense to be like, but I will never, ever be in somebody else's shoes. So who the fuck am I to say when the line is for when they, when the cutoff line is for when they can get an abortion or what circumstances they can get an abortion. You know, those are true Christians. You know, you can be uncomfortable with whatever you want, but just, you can't affect somebody else's life uh, with those opinions. But the people giving Christianity a bad name are the ones outside of the clinics uh, telling you, you know, what time and where and what level of hell you're going to for how long and why. Um, I just I just find it really, really fascinating that the Bible and Jesus's teaches teachings have been, uh, you know, manipulated to support um, a medical procedure and something that is actually a. Uh, an unequivocal social good has been twisted and they have done a very, very good job um, uh, doing this uh, in terms of the language that we use to speak about it and the legislation that has gotten through um, twisted it to make it seem like the bad thing, like uh, the thing that is destroying the family, like the thing that uh, causes depression when in fact, and there are actual studies about all of this, if anything causes depression, it's being denied abortion. And I can't think of anything more pro-family than something that gives you the tools to best create the circumstances to grow their family in, you know? Yeah, it's like the people outside the abortion clinic telling you not to get it aren't throwing money at you for you to raise this baby. <laughs> yeah. Here's con- here's contraceptions, education, and resources. God damn it, use it. <laughs> <laughs> You would think, you would think. No, they're just really good at yelling and it's sort of the activism stops there. We're we're never going to be able to win an argument that is religiously based as in what's the definition of a life? You know, is the seed you plant in the ground the moment it gets planted a tree or is it still a seed until a certain point? And and that's that is an argument you can never win, but obviously it, it it just depends on who you're talking to and what the what what their goal is. If the goal is to try to right. understand you and, and care about you, I'm always down to listen to somebody. And I mean, okay. I love hearing conversations like we've heard about a chaplain at the hospital where he's good friends with atheists and and like he's fascinated by them. And it's not a hatred fascination. 
Um, <laughs> I consider myself a Christian. It, it's more unchristian to throw your beliefs onto somebody and shove it down their throat and demand that they conform. Yeah. When you teach it as a black and white issue that abortion is murder, so people who get abortions are bad, like you don't, you're not taught to think practically about that, how, how that could possibly be true about the human race. If one in four people get abortions, how can it be the reality that one in four people are literal monsters who are going around murdering people? Like, I'm so fascinated to hear from you, like what that transition was like and what, like, what was the aha moment to be like, oh my God, maybe I have it all wrong. So from a kind of step-by-step collective fashion, I, the more I lived life and the more people I met who were different from me and the more I listened to their stories and experiences, the more I started to realize that a lot of the preconceived notions that I had through the way that I was taught through some of the more fanatical evangelical teachings was I'm like, well, this is wrong. And so maybe I should start looking at this. And and, and then I started questioning more. And I, I guess it really just comes from being open and vulnerable to hear other people's experiences and think, is it possible I don't have the answer? I will admit my views on abortions uh, were probably far more recent than my views on racism or um, homophobia and things like that. But I, I mean, we're always a work in progress. You mean your views changed more recently? Yeah, sorry. My views, my views have become more open-minded as in, and I mean open-minded, not just from the, the stance that I'm pro-choice, but the stance that I accept people who aren't um, depending on their actions. I, I, I accept anyone's mindset, religious mm-hmm. or otherwise, when it's their belief that they live their life by, but don't press it upon other people. And real briefly, what made you get there, though? People. People? Yeah. People and their stories. LeJohn, I, I've told you this before. I'm not saying like you had to change my mind not to be racist against black people. <laughs> right, right. But the more people I've met who are different from me, the more I understand them and the more I empathize with them. And so, like, for example, let's say you um, were a recovering drug addict. The, the oh, long, yeah. Are you really? No, really. No. no. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love that you left space for that. That's wonderful. That's, I yeah. stared at him. I'm like, dude, we've been doing a, a I've been a feeding podcast. you alcohol all yeah. day. We just did a line in the bathroom. Why did you? No, but um, no, but the point is, if you told me that, I would then learn more about that and, and feel mm-hmm. less stigmatized around that topic. Because um, none of mm-hmm. us are completely open to everything. We're still we're still human. Yeah. And that's what happens, I think, for a lot of people. You know, we can talk about facts all day long and debunk all the science uh, behind, you know, behind abortion and and debunk the junk science out there. But but the truth is that that doesn't cut it anymore. You know, and if any convincing is going to be done, it's going to be done by speaking about personal abortion experiences, because like I mentioned before, one in four people will get an abortion uh, in their lifetime. That means that one out of four of us here doing this podcast has had an abortion, my friends. Okay. And I might be the one. Um, and it's kind of like, and that bringing that experience closer to you're like, Oh, you know, I know Molly, she's not a monster. It's kind of like when a homophobic Senator has a gay son is, and is like, 
you know, wow, oh my God, after 45 years, I finally see that gay people are people too. <laughs> it, it takes that, we need patience for that experience, you know, just to, to know that some people need to just be around people who've had abortions and see see their individual life experiences and trust them and know that they're not monsters. So, so I love I love that that's what it was for you because that's what it is for a lot of people. It's important to talk about it, too, because there, I'm sure, are so many people who have gotten them and not said anything about it because they don't want to be stigmatized. Yeah, totally. And there's a ton of awesome organizations out there like We Testify who are all about doing abortion storytelling because that's the way that we're going to change people's minds. You're like, you know, because when you're when you grow up in it, you're like abortion is murder and everyone's monsters. But if you hear a storyteller be like, you know, I was in an abusive relationship. It was the first time I had sex. I really didn't know what to do. It's storytelling is like so human and it is really how we break down barriers. And that is the thing that changes hearts and minds about this. It's so important. You know something? <clears throat> um, this is the going there podcast. It is. And how often do we go there from the male's perspective of abortion as far as being a part of one. Yeah, please. We need to hear more of the male's perspective. And it's true. I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the male's perspective as far as like, you know, I was with a woman and we decided to do that for whatever reason we decided to do it. Because mm -hmm. I'm saying that because I've been that male. I've been yeah. there where, okay, oops, that's not what we intended to do. Right. What are we going to do? Um, what are you thinking? What's going on in your life? Where we stand right now with this kind of stuff? Where we, and when yeah. you had to make that decision, mm -hmm. you, here's here's the crux of it. The day before you knew you had a call to make, were you pro-choice or were you more like, man, no, I wouldn't do that. I was pro my mama, and when which I made, is which is you're having boy, yeah. I will smack yeah. the shit out yeah, of you. Seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 but I was pro my mama, but at the same time, it's like that's what I think we should be doing that's what i want to do and i'm I, you know but i gotta respect what she's saying too and i gotta understand why i'm in life and i'm not ready to fucking have a kid and all this kind of stuff and it was fucked up it sucked man can i ask how old you were 19 or 7 18 or 19 i believe yeah it's the the experience of someone else it's and that's why i actually say that i'm pro-abortion and i know that a lot of people feel weird when i say that but i'm not just pro-choice because uh like i said i believe Abortion is a positive social good. And me being pro-abortion means uh, like I'm happy that abortion exists for the experiences of everyone who needs it, whether it is you just don't want to have a child now or it is an ectopic, whatever it is. I'm pro the fact that you can get an abortion, you know, I, like I'm pro ACL surgery. I've had two. OK, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I know. Back. It, me and my family made the decision together. <laughs> yeah. um, I was raised as a pure pro ACL supporter. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like if we talk if we talk about it like that, you know, because there's so much stigma around it. Like you said, we need to break that down. We need to break down the stigma around abortion because it's a medical procedure and leave space for all the different vast experiences of people who get them. Because if we start judging one experience, we're going like, where is the line? You know, people are like, oh, you know, later abortions are terrible. And they're like, well, early abortions are terrible too. And, you know, what are we gonna have a panel of people judging 
like who gets one that it's just it's yes not they're practical. called the supreme court <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh so Uh-oh. let's actually talk about that so like trump says they're ripping the baby out at nine months uh and the, the born alive survivors protection act yeah. or the ohio heartbeat bill um, oh yeah so as much as you're like well science isn't going to change people's minds can we at least start with the science <laughs> sure sure i'll start with this um ripping the baby out at nine months would be a c-section so that's called birth. That's called birth. That's science. Um, second of all, okay. Yeah. So 99% of abortions occur before 20, 21 weeks. And you know, the born alive Fake news. Where'd you come up with that bullshit number? Oh, doctors, the American medical association, all these bullshit CNN junk science Wait, places. People who actually study this stuff. We actually going to listen to those people who, People who work for their <laughs> lives to study this shit. Right, right, yeah, and you know the the abortion and later pregnancy. This this stuff. I love to talk about it because this. You know, most of Americans actually support abortion, but then they get kind of like icky about it. But the way the tactics that are used around this language, the ripping out the baby at nine months, the the and for people who don't know what the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act is. Do you guys know what that is? Can you just guess based on what that is? It sounds like something like ancient aliens took you. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something that involves, you know, drugs and mushrooms yeah. and things like that. Um, but it's, you know, they use this crazy language, this like clearly inflammatory on purpose language to make you think that later abortion is some like demonic thing where evil women get together with like Satan worshiping doctors and halfway out of the birth canal, they're like, cut, cut it, cut it off. Like, let's just squeeze it to death. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just not true. Um, and I, I do like to emphasize when talking about later abortion, I know that a lot of people are like, well, you know, most later um, people who get abortions later in pregnancy are for really tragic circumstances. But I want to make it clear that that is not really true. I mean, while that is true, I think that actually diminishes the the argument for abortion again because it's judging who can get an abortion and why. If we if we give into that kind of logic, we're just empathizing with the anti-abortion side being like there are good abortions and bad abortions and I do not subscribe to that at all. The people who get late abortions later in pregnancy get them for the same reasons as people who get them earlier in pregnancy. It's just that they make it really fucking hard to get it early in pregnancy. And so, and it's really expensive. So, you know, the reasons why people get it is, be, you know, because they didn't have enough money. They didn't have childcare. They didn't know how to handle an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe a teen doesn't want to tell their parents. All, all of these reasons are there in addition to, you know, there maybe being a bad uh, fetal diagnosis. But we have to leave space for all of that. Otherwise, we have no argument at all. But there are the, I mean, rape and incest and all those things. And they go, well, that's a rare exception. I'm like, right. yeah, but who are you to say what the fucking exception is? Yeah. The, the point is, here is the only way I would ever support anti-abortion. If they put it to a vote and only women could vote on it <laughs> and they would never pass. But it, I mean, even as a man, you know, you start to open your eyes and go, well, men are kind of speaking for the women a little too much here. So what do you think? And I haven't met a lot of women who are like, it's wrong. Yeah, there's some. But the rest of them are like, you know what? I don't know how I feel about abortion, 
But I definitely don't like old white men telling me what's up. Not at all. Not at all. I can't fathom it, man. I mean, I just can't understand how for the history of this topic and in this country and everything, it's been up to a whole bunch of old white dudes to decide what's going on with a woman's body. Well, why are they preaching pro-life while simultaneously preaching don't use contraception or we shouldn't back it while simultaneously saying we should be teaching abstinence? All of those things come out to abortion. <laughs> that That is the ultimate question, you know, and it's just such a talking point uh, that infuriates me. It's like, well, we don't we don't want to just ban abortion. We want to make we may, we want to make abortion unthinkable. I'm like the only way it would be unthinkable is if we had enough social programs and healthcare and childcare and free education in place um, to to make it like a, a a joy in every situation to have as many kids as possible, which will never happen. But you know they do. We don't see them doing that. They actively block legislation. Um, around those things, you know, and another hypocrisy that I just I can't get over is, you know, when people say abortion is murder. OK, if we take that at face value, are you really against murder? No. Right. Yeah, because they're not they're not yelling outside prisons. We're talking about religion for a second here. Let's take religion, whether or not you believe in God or a higher being or anything to think that God deals in absolutes is such horseshit. There are always going to be exceptions. It is not an absolute and it is not a it's up to you to decide who to condemn in, in, in uh, you know, in the world for doing these things. Yeah. So these I don't, have you seen these signs like there women will hold these signs that say, I regret my abortion. I'm like, girl, good for you. I'm glad you got one. Um, and now you're you're the opportunity to regret it. So, you know, you can claim for days that, you know, abortion causes depression and suicide and anxiety. But there was actually a study done. It's called the turn away study, literally turn away. But as one word, just people who were turned away from abortion, they they did a 10 year study that followed and compared people who got abortions just under the state limits and those who were just over the state limit and were denied abortions. And basically they followed up with them every six months after that. And they found that there were no adverse physical or mental health effects um, and the only negative mental health outcomes uh, were associated with the people who were denied abortion. So we've, you know, we have data to back that up because they'll say, you know, even Alito in in some cases was like, well, we don't have any data to back this up. It's like, son, we do, okay? Because there's lots of legislation that is based around this myth. You know, um, they they have uh, mandated counseling in many many states where they tell you before you get an abortion that um, abortion causes depression suicide eating disorders all this stuff and this is mandated this is doctors having to tell patients this against you know their own will um, these lies which is actually insane that we legislate this stuff uh, when it's clear from the from the data and the studies that it's not true at all it's like sanctioned emotional abuse yeah mm, yes. Yeah, it is. It is man. State <laughs> yeah. mandated sanction. You you should see this the the materials that they give to patients before. It's 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 awful. It's so shamey, and it's none of it is based in science or fact. We don't regulate any medical procedure like we do um, abortions. Can you imagine before I was getting my ACL ACL surgery, just like you know, after this, you might not be able to walk, and that can make you feel inferior and insecure. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah, you might not be able to cut, you know, at the ten yard line and make that that spin turn. Yeah, and shit. how has your football game been affected by that? <laughs> not good. <laughs> so you do regret it, then? I regret it. 
For this episode, we were actually kind of concerned about who do we bring in as a musical guest because they might not be okay with the abortion topic or stances we take. And we got a band called Mr. Carnivore. And at some point I asked my wife, maybe is that a bad name? And then I thought, actually, that's the perfect name because there's so much misinformation uh, about abortion and about, you know, people are eating babies. And I kind of think Mr. Carnivore is a perfect name for a band for this episode. So check out the music. Mr. Carnivore is a four-piece indie rock band based out of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, these guys are really talented and uh, they're friends and colleagues of my wife, which means they have horrible taste in humans. So their music must be awesome. talk about the uh, crisis pregnancy centers because I think we were kind of heading there naturally. Yeah. So I I have to be honest in saying that I have friends and family who have worked for these. And and I'm going to say this too. Their intentions were obviously very good. They're following what they believe is right. Um, I don't think they understand the politics behind it. I think if they really did, I guess it's hard to say. I don't know. We live in different realities, but uh, John Oliver did an amazing study on that. And Mm -hmm. it was something that made me realize what my friends and family were involved with. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, totally. So actually in the John Oliver piece, he highlighted um, something that Abortion Access Front did. We went to a clinic in Connecticut because oftentimes- that was you guys. Yes, that was us. Oh, you're John Oliver famous. We are, we are. So- you know, these crisis pregnancy centers are fake clinics and they, they basically use deceptive tactics to lure in pregnant people. So they'll oftentimes set up shop literally right across the street from a real abortion clinic to try to trick people to come in. So that was the situation in Connecticut. So we went over there and we painted a literal yellow brick road into the real abortion clinic. So when people made their appointments, they could easily be directed into the right place rather than, you know, risk them uh, going to this other fake clinic. That is so dope. Yeah. That is well, we- incredible. <laughs> but that's also whack that there's like fake clinics trying to upstream. It's like those people who are selling like fake tickets outside of a baseball game. Scammers. Yeah, y'all scamming. Two here, two here. Yeah. Two here for the show. People are allowed, of course, to think what they want to think and do as much work around trying to make abortion unthinkable as possible. But I, I just take such issue with these places because their tactics are pretending intentionally to look like a medical clinic. And this is documented and they'll say it too. They want people to think that they're going into the abortion clinic or into a medical facility um, so that they can get all their options. And then once they're in there, they realize that this is usually religiously run organization 
and they're going to they try to coerce, uh, you know, shame and lie to people to in in service of them, hopefully going through with the pregnancy. And I uh, I actually went undercover in one of these places. Sweet. And yeah, I uh, tell me, strapped. was this as a vulva? <laughs> 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 They're like, man, come right in. Uh, they just stuck the pregnancy test right in my abdomen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I knew what their tactics were before I went in there. And I understand why a lot of people want to volunteer for these places. They just because they claim to help pregnant people. And that's the only for a thinking person. I think the only way you can support the pro-life stance is if you're also during work doing the work to support actual pregnant people with like diapers and bottles at least or whatever so yeah. well the ends think- the ends justify the means they've saved a life right right 100 percent. but no i mean they? seriously no well do, can we know, talk about the harm that they actually cause yes okay so once you're in there, first of all, these people put on like lab coats that you can get off of the internet. So they It's like a bad you know, sketch show. <laughs> it is they're cosplaying at doctors and it's very bad. Was it, Thunderbolt. Um, Thunderbolt. Was it like when the my pillow guy got up there and started telling us about COVID like uh months back? What a piece of shit. Um, no. Um, I, the ends justifying the means is like kind of a huge uh, tenant of the anti-abortion position, which somehow, you know, part of God's plan helped me with that. But so when when you go to these places, one of the tactics they'll use, they'll make you think you're in a medical facility. They won't tell you if you're at the abortion clinic that you meant to go to. Uh, they give you a pregnancy test, which seems medical. But as we all know, you're just they're just taking the dime store pregnancy test and dipping it, dipping it in your pee that you hand them. This is not any sort of medical equipment. And then by the um, end, you have now joined Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> You're going clear by the end. <laughs> your pee um, is clear and so are you. But we need $8,000 to tell you whether or not you're pregnant. Right. Oh, my God. So these places, well, okay, so when I went, I took the test, I, um, and then I was ushered into this room with this lady, there was a bunch of, like, weird posters on the wall, like, uh, abstinence posters, and just the lies that she, she threw at me, she, she compared abortion to when you get a scar, because I asked, um, if abortion will affect my chances of getting pregnant in the future? And the answer is no. The answer is no. I don't know what other fucking type of place Oh, any type of building that you can go and get a lie like that where that's fucking legal, except in this place, because apparently it's like First Amendment rights to lie to people. What um, Was this your best acting you've ever done in your life? Not to be like, I'm reach across and strangle that woman? I'm glad you asked. It was actually my worst acting. It was piss poor. It was so bad. <laughs> actually, I was t- I totally outed myself by the end because I don't have children and when she was ushering me out as they often do they're like they offer you baby clothes or diapers like one time and she was like what size because i told her i had a three month old um she said what what size diapers is your baby and i was like is it an, a letter system or a number system <laughs> human it, they're like human size <laughs> right <laughs> so what happened when she found out you were oh yeah did yeah. she figure it out no, she didn't. But I really did just want to run. Um, <laughs> what size did you? I said eight. I don't know. <laughs> what yeah, size were the diapers she gave you? Were they like just they were, adult, they were diapers? adult diapers? <laughs> like, first of all, 
I should have questioned you at the purple Volvo costume. <laughs> yeah. But now that you don't know baby diaper sizes, exactly. I question all of this. But we uh, don't like facts here, so let's just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> this is okay. Yeah, she definitely clocked me by the end. But during the meeting, it was really disturbing to me that, you know, I was being really vulnerable and open with her, you know, in a fake way. Um, and she... <laughs> she she told me that abortion, uh, after I asked if it would affect my chances of getting pregnant, it, abortion is like a scar. And you know how, this is her dog, you know when you get a scar and it goes really deep into your muscles and then it sort of starts to affect your muscles and then your muscles don't work? That's like an abortion. Let's all take one small step back and say, abortion is this thing where it's a new science and, and maybe there are some unknowns. And if we're open to learning that we'll find out what the truth is, and then from there, we can determine with our own truths what that what that is, right? How we feel about it. And I, th I think that's fair for everyone. I don't care where you start from. I think it's fair. Um, but the way that the media, as you mentioned, has picked up some of that vocabulary that there's no way to decipher it from anything other than it's bad or it's wrong or it's evil. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, very skilled at I, that. I like that we can hear you pouring drinks for yourself, by the way. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, yes. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. We're going to cut 90% of the shit out. No, don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> it's just going to be a Spotify playlist after this. <laughs> it's going to be like, welcome Molly. She's going to be like, I love abortion. The do -do 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I can't wait to post on social. <laughs> <laughs> so the the media picks up some of the I don't even want to say right wing. I hate Yeah. I hate to say right and left and I hate to say blue and red. We we try so hard to to mix the colors on this podcast, but totally. let's say the media picks up the anti-abortion slang and terminology and there's no way if you say an evil man in the alley, how do you decipher that from anything other than a bad person? Right. Yeah. So what 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 do they do? How are people deceived by that? Well, I will push back a little bit on the right wing thing, because a lot of the phrases and vocabulary that come out are intentional political moves to change the conversation. Um, and, you know, it's not. And these are words that are picked up later by by the anti-abortion movement. But a lot of it, I'm not kidding, is people in the room where it happens brainstorming about how to talk about abortion in order to, um, you know, advance advance whatever piece of legislation that they want, like like the term uh, partial birth abortion ban that was truly made up um, by aides to uh, Representative Charles Carney of Florida. Um, and this, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's um, very much not a medical term at all. But much like Born Alive Survivors Protection Act, once you put it into the ether, um, you can't, it, there's sort of no winning against such inflammatory rhetoric like that. And it, it is very intentional on their part. And it is very <laughs> effective. So effective that now a very common um, abortion procedure for abortions later in pregnancy is now banned based on that really intense sort of in your face phrase that they use to do, you know, dilation and extraction that is boring as fuck. You know, nobody cares about that. 
but partial birth abortion ban that is intentional and it and it works so i just want to push back on that a little bit these these places these phrases don't come out of nowhere you know what i mean let's talk about something fun for a second so you find a way to work comedy into essentially it's it's edutainment um what does that look like yeah i i I assume some of it's stand-up comedy we'll do that we'll dress up you know around a specific action we we do a lot where we counter these kind of like extremist organizations. One of them is called Operation Save America, which is as terrifying as it sounds. Um, these are like anti-Muslim, anti-gay, anti-abortion people. And so we literally, we call it abortion camp, by the way. Um, we go to their annual event that they hold every year. And it is truly one of the most fun things I'll do because these preachers, they they don't, well, they hate women, first of all, but women talking, women talking in vulva costumes. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. They cannot take it. Um, They just lose their minds. But it's about doing this public action to change the narrative and be like, these are not the only people that get to stand on fucking soapboxes and tell us that we're going to hell. We also, women, uh, people who can get pregnant are part of the narrative. So we're going to come back at you and make fun of you because you look like a fucking idiot. (laughs) We go low. We go low a lot. I'm sorry. We do go low. But, you know. It's it's uh, cathartic for us. I love so it. have you ever in any of these protests, it sounds like it's more of a visceral thing for you guys. Do you ever change anybody's mind there? That is such an interesting question. And I think different people would give you different answers. Um, to us, it's less about changing the opposition's mind uh, because a lot of people we come up against are these deeply religiously entrenched patriarchal uh you know systems and people and organizations that you you're not going to convince them that women shouldn't be submissive to their husbands you know but but so the people that we target with uh, abortion access front are the people who are getting abortions and have felt this intense stigma and shame around it that they think they did something bad and they think they can't talk about it you know the people who are left out of this whole fucking narrative, which are the people who get them. You know, we should be supporting them and telling them that whatever they felt, whatever the situation was, you are loved, you are supportive, and you are a badass, and we worship you. Yeah, and you are not alone. No, it's just like when in Billy Madison, when that little guy peed his pants, Billy Madison pees his pants to make him feel not alone. (laughs) Yes, and she says... Ping your pants is cool and consider me Miles call, Davis. Call me Miles Davis. So basically <laughs> oh you're God. just helping you're helping people feel not alone. I love that comparison, Joe. I'm gonna use that. Look, it, if you wanna hate the thing, fine, whatever. Why would you hate the person? Why would you hate the person who you're like, this woman's gonna be depressed, this woman's gonna go through all these things? whatever you feel about it, why would you hate on that person? Why would you scream at them? Because I just it's easy. Cannot... Because it's easy. And, 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 and I'm probably the wrong person to even say that, but that's just, ain't that, isn't, it, isn't that what it always is? It's so easy to hate than it is to congratulate, to, to uh, support, to, to love. To love. We, we don't really have like yeah. much emotional intelligence in this country. And like a lot of anger gives you power. So if you're angry and you're yelling, you probably feel really powerful in that moment. And uh, you're not really thinking about how you're hurting other people. 
I feel bad for the people who go through. Uh, Joe was touching on kind of the emotional abuse. I mean, spiritual abuse, essentially. Somebody who makes you feel guilty and bad about believing in something because everything is associated with pain. If you believe in God and you also drink and you have sex and you do this and this, then you're a bad person. It's such a hard life to live like that. I mean, you you are just projecting onto people. There is so much shame, and I and I I have to be honest. I still have subconscious pain and guilt that will never go away because it was embedded in me from such a young age, and sometimes I forget that it's there. Um, and it's not about abortion. It's not about certain things, but it's it's still there. These people are missing out on other people in new relationships that are mm-hmm. that could be so awesome. I totally agree. Well, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not happy that you have this trauma. No, no, but... no, it's fine. Be happy. <laughs> no, We're very I mean, but... yes, celebrate. We're my... having too much going for him. Celebrate <laughs> my pain. <laughs> it is the people like you who go through that that are the ones that are able to shed light on this. And it's so important to have people like you in this. And I, you know, it's it is really truly crazy to me the the uh, difference between what people think something is and what it really is. And the the bridge that you have to gap to get there is just opening your mind or your heart a little bit. Like uh, we are, ta- we are screaming about this, that I'm, I mean, I'm in the rooms with these people getting abortions, right? I'm holding their hands. I see the abortions. I'm in the rooms and I'm telling the people outside what is happening and what it is and what the experience is for people. And they're not letting that in. They're not letting it in their heads. They're not listening to the science. They're not letting it in their hearts. I'm in these rooms with these patients, seeing the change that it makes in their lives, holding their hands, seeing these wonderful, beautiful fucking souls. And, you know, making that jump from being brought up in it like that and opening yourself to what it really is, is a huge accomplishment. And I think we should all drink to that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'll sip as you're saying. Let me just say, thank you so much. This was awesome. And, uh, you are not only a very hilarious and witty person, <laughs> but your your knowledge and your depth is fantastic. And I love the fact that you bring to it such heart and compassion that the other side doesn't think exists there. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it really breaks that bullshit myth. So here, yeah. here's my final thought, guys. Um, if somebody out there learns the facts, has listened to something like this and learned the facts, the science, and they still are against abortion, to me, that's okay. That's their personal view. You have the right to choose and feel however you want. That's what makes this country and our society great. You don't have the right to tell others how they feel or how they choose. But if you don't agree with the abortions, uh, don't have one. <laughs> And I support that choice for you. Uh, it's weird that this is the most divisive topic we will probably talk about. Um, but uh, for those of you who have to make that hard choice, who aren't supported by your family and your friends, know that people like Molly are there to support you. People like us are there to love you as well. And and uh, if it means us all dressing up like vulvas and showing up at the clinic, we will. <laughs> I got to kind of piggyback off of some of what Matt said. It's the the choice element. And that's one thing I love about this life. We all have a choice as long as you choose something, but not just choosing something. Know why you chose it. I always say that. I say it to my children all the time. Choose something, but know why you chose it. Um, so either if you're red or blue, uh, Browns or Steelers, 
you know, turkey bacon or regular bacon. Which, <laughs> and nobody should eat turkey bacon. Nobody. <laughs> okay. But That's one thing the Supreme Court can get behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about it all. And I'm glad that we have people like you to voice voice those type of opinions and voice those kind of thoughts and everything, because that's what makes you awesome. And that's what makes this country really what it's supposed to be great as far as that uh, that level of choice. So thank you, Molly. Oh, my God, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to debunk a lot of this. Um, one more quote from the late great RBG. The decision of whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, well-being and dignity. When the government makes that decision for her, she's being treated as less than a full adult human responsible for her own choices. So we just need to consider the fetus that was already born and done grown before we um, <laughs> keep them from making the decisions that need to be made for the betterment of their lives. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, that that ties into just what we try to say so much, which is trust women and pregnant people. <laughs> you, which and, and that's hard because everyone wants to make the judgments for them, but you just have to trust that they know what is best for them, and there's nothing in between that you can do, or you can legislate, or you can restrict, or you can ban that will help that person live their life because they are telling you. They're telling you what they need to live their life and you're not listening. So hopefully we can just trust pregnant people and uh, have a little bit more empathy and compassion. And you guys have been amazing. I really thank you so much for having me on. Are there any uh, URLs or uh, plugs that you'd like to throw out there where people can hit you up or would you rather they not? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I love hate. I love love. I love it all. Take it. My hand. Yeah. Um, I'm at Molly Gaby. It's G-A-E-B-E, -E, which I know is weird. But um and uh, also, if you're in New York City and uh, are like live comedy, I'm forming a new comedy theater called Circle Comedy Theater. It's circlecomedytheater.org. Um, so look out for that when like the economy can reopen and people can see each other again. I can't wait. I'm going to be signing up for that first class. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you so much. We also want to thank Mr. Carnivore for those sweet, sweet tunes. You can find Mr. Carnivore on Facebook at Mr. Carnivore Band or at MrCarnivoreEats.com. With nowhere, 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 nowhere to go. We just went there. Now we want you to go to Instagram at The Going There Podcast. Facebook at Going There Podcast or email us at Going There Podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by its hosts and Frame One Media in association with Lindsey Baker, Tyler Kubisti, Michael Madgar, Joe Callie, and Bobby Thomas. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere to go.